0: Hello, vampires and slayers. This is Mixtress Ray, and you're listening to What's This Bitch Talking About? To which the answer to that question is "Is every episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer exactly 20 years after its original air date. You guys, we're finally talking about graduation day part two. Finally, finally, finally. I'm going to start the episode with I'm going to read you a little bit from the Bite Me episode guide which is my favorite episode guide, as you guys, many of you guys know. The synopsis is short and sweet, as always. Buffy and the gang recruit other members of the student body to try to stop the mayor's ascension. And it also has like a little beginning paragraph that describes um, what it felt like to um, have to wait all that time which we just went through it if you're listening in real time to this podcast we just had to wait two months since watching graduation day part one and that's how it was in the United States Um, so here's what it says here as if postponing earshot indefinitely wasn't annoying enough which let me just skip ahead just so I can tell you guys we get to watch earshot September 21st which is two weeks before we start watching Season four. (laughs) So that's the next episode of Buffy we get to talk about September 21st. The WB declared at the 11th hour that graduation day part two was inappropriate to show and they delayed that too. Of course, they showed part one just so fans would go completely nuts for weeks um, waiting for the subsequent episode, except in Canada, where it accidentally aired the Monday night before it was postponed. Canadian fans were kept busy the next few weeks bootlegging tapes for their American neighbors. So that's interesting that like they were going to postpone it in Canada, but it was just the day they decided to do it. It, maybe they knew, maybe they knew in Canada that it was about to get shut down. And so they just showed it the day before, um, which is awesome. Um, let's see, there was something else here. Blah, blah, blah. Okay. An interesting note. There are a lot of Nazi references throughout Buffy. This is something that I never noticed, but, um, just like reading episode guides and listening to Buffy podcasts and just like nerding out over Buffy over the years. A lot of other people have pointed them out. Um, and this is another one that it's in the, um, bite me episode guide. The yearbook of their yearbook, the Sunnydale 1999 yearbook, the slogan is the future is ours. Apparently that was also a slogan of Nazi Germany. I, I didn't know that I mean it's kind of generic the future is ours um that could be an accidental reference but because there's so many other Nazi Germany references um throughout the show it's interesting like what is the deal with that is Joss a Nazi sympathizer I don't know um just an interesting note I don't really have anything deeper to say about that that's just that's just that okay so you guys I'm like I don't even know where to start I have a lot of my notes included a lot of just there's a a billion annoying plot things in this episode and so a lot of my notes are questions (laughs) where's faith (laughs) Wesley called Cordelia (laughs) The doctor isn't in there yet? Like, there's just, like, so many things that we'll get to. I'm giddy. I'm giddy that we're finally talking about Buffy again. How have you guys been? Um, I know I sort of, like, promised you guys that I would check in every couple weeks, and I just haven't. Um, it's, yeah. Oh, forgot to silence my phone. As far as, like, I guess we could get the business stuff out of the way since we don't get to talk about Earshot until September 21st. um, I don't have a concrete plan. I really should, by now, have a concrete plan. Like, my general plan all year has been to spend the summer talking to you guys about the movies of 1999 while we're waiting for Buffy to start up again in October, Um, but... Um, Not to say I'm not going to do that. I just don't have a concrete plan as to, like, how often I'm going to come talk to you guys. Like, how that's going to all work out. Um, I will say that, at the very least, I'll check in with you guys once every three weeks or so. You know, like, there's not just going to be complete podcast radio silence between, you know, mid-July and the end of September when we get to come back and talk about Earshot. Um, But I just don't know exactly how it's going to go you know whatever (laughs) every two or three weeks i'll come talk to you guys and um we'll figure it out together how about that so if you guys have suggestions um do you want me to talk about the movies of 1999 is that something that's interesting to you um do you want me to just do like little personal podcasts sprinkled in once or twice a month um Do you guys actually just prefer that, you know, like I just talk about Buffy and if there's no, no Buffy episodes to talk about, I just stay silent. I mean, what do you guys want? I am open to your input. Let me know via email, Mixtrous radio at gmail or on my Instagram account, which is under Buffy. Um Just, you know, drop me suggestions, comments, e- even if it's like you just want to discuss a certain topic that has to do with Buffy. You know, I could come up with weird little Buffy side topics that we could talk about on, um, at times that we're not talking about the specific episodes, um, on the anniversary dates. But anyway, let me know what you think. So let's talk about Graduation Day Part 2. It opens with, you know, um, it's it's kind of disjointing the fact that, you know, we just watched Part 1 like two months ago, and now we're watching, it was late May that we got to see, um, part one. <laughs> so it's been a month and a half, at least, slightly over. Um, that's off-putting. It's off-putting for sure. Um, yeah, I think it was May 18th. So the last shot was Faith falling on, jumping onto, like, uh, an oncoming a truck that was driving by as she was like bleeding out from being stabbed in the gut by Buffy. And you know how I feel about that. Pour one out for Faith Lehane Like, she doesn't deserve this treatment. She really doesn't. Like, she doesn't deserve to be killed for Buffy's boyfriend just because she's, like, gone to the dark side. She's human. Every single precedent in this show has set up that if you are human, you are redeemable. Um, And if you kill a human, you have got some serious ass problems to deal with. But the way that they deal with Buffy, who thinks she spends like a good two thirds of this episode, half of this episode thinking that she killed Faith. And, you know, there's some gravity to the situation. Like you can tell she doesn't feel good about it, but she also doesn't feel a whole lot about it. And this would be the first time Buffy has killed a human if she did kill Faith. So, you know, I think they didn't deal with that as heavily as they should have. This whole thing of her deciding to kill Faith just to save Angel, who is a terrible vampire. You know, like, yes, he's on a path of redemption and we like him generally, but so another thing that, okay, the whole thing is he has been poisoned with a poison that can only be cured by the blood of a slayer, of course. And so that's why she was going to kill Faith and bring him bring her to Angel to feed off of or incapacitate her or whatever. I guess she couldn't be dead when she got to him. But anyway, what they could have done, this was pointed out in the, um, in the buffering podcast that, you know, like why not half and half? There's two slayers. There's not usually two slayers. He could just, you know, halfway drain. I mean, Buffy could have captured Faith And then, um, he could have half drained her and then half drained Buffy and then just let Faith go. And she just would have been cranky and weak for a little bit and whatever. Like they could have done that. Um, it didn't have to be like, uh, and also, you know, it would have completely killed Faith if they had gone with the route of like capturing Faith and taking her to Angel. He would have killed her. He would have killed her and they would have been fine with it because they don't really care about Faith. And this goes back to sort of, this is not a feminist show. It really isn't. Um, when you start picking it apart, it's just, you know, a lot of things that have females as the hero, that have women as the heroes in, you know, TV or movies or whatever. A lot of it is the She's different than other girls' trope. And Buffy definitely falls into that. You know, she is special. She is not like other girls. Other girls are terrible. We all know and agree to that, right? Girls are terrible. (laughs) And Buffy definitely falls into that. It's really much more in that category, that genre category of um, she's different from other girls than it is a feminist show. And we'll get there. I have a lot of problems on that front with this episode. Okay, so still, let's get to the very beginning of my notes here. I only have, like, two pages of notes. It's not too bad. (laughs) It just takes me a long time to talk through them. Okay, so my first note is Buffy reckoning with what she has done. But not really. Like, at the very beginning, she looks shocked. Like, she is looking at the knife she's looking down at where Faith has just jumped onto that truck and she thinks that she killed her and she's in shock she's frozen and that is Buffy's typical reaction to extreme trauma so I think this is this is good, this has played well I really like how it starts, you think you think hey maybe she feels bad maybe she really feels bad about what she's done and I think she is sort of waking up to like I can't believe I just did that. So this one scene is kind of giving the the gravity that that act should have. Um, and then she sort of, I don't know, jumps over the edge. I don't, the The way the shot goes is it pans up and you see the mayor standing in the window above where she is. But I think we're supposed to think some time has passed and she's not, obviously she's not there anymore or the mayor would see her. But, um, he's just so, sort of looking over the broken window and you can tell he is extremely distraught. It seems kind of, it's like an oversight and plot, essentially. Like, he's the one that picked out this poison that can only be cured by a slayer. Like, I guess he didn't know that when he picked out this particular poison. Because at first it, you know, like I talked about in the last episode two fucking months ago, You would think that he, it almost seemed like he was trying to sabotage Faith by picking that poison. At first, I thought maybe he doesn't actually care about her as much as he acts like he does. But as upset as he is in this episode, um, that is definitely not the case. He must not have known the cure to that poison was a slayer's blood. Because then he would know that Buffy would try to um, capture Faith, you know? He wouldn't want to put her in that danger as much as he loves her he wouldn't want to put her in that danger so um kind of touching there was um on the buffering podcast they had an interview with harry grainer who played the mayor and it was pretty fun um to hear his insights on everything you could tell he really um he he's really proud of that character which is sweet you know because everybody knows him as that so it's nice whenever uh, an actor that is very known for a certain thing is appreciative that he has you know that he has the fame that he has because of that thing you know what i'm saying anyway he um mentioned that how he played the relationship between him and faith that it was very important to him that it seemed like a father-daughter type relationship that it never cross over into the creepy territory between the two of them but he also talked about like when they asked him what his favorite scene was with Elijah Dushku he said his favorite scene was the one where she put that dress on for him because he thought that that was a very father-daughter moment where even though she doesn't like that kind of stuff she did it for him and he thought that was so sweet but that was like that to me read as such a creepy interaction like he was cognizant of the fact that he didn't ever want it to seem like a creepy relationship but that particular scene was one of the only ones that seemed genuinely creepy to me to me so I just wanted to share that interesting little anecdote um let's see okay so then we go to the library Giles and Xander are doing research And, um, Giles is bringing, or Xander is bringing Giles tea or coffee. And, um, he's, then he says something about, aren't you supposed to be drinking tea? And we've only ever, I think, seen Giles drink tea. So, um, and then he says, tea is soothing. I wish to be tense. So I think that's going to be the quote of the episode because... I just think that's really the best one that I wrote down. I guess we'll find out whenever we go through the rest of the notes, just in case something is better. But I think that's the best one. Tea is soothing. I wish to be tense. And then Cordelia comes in and she's like, what's the deal? Wesley just called me. He's super upset. He says he's leaving town. He says you guys had a fight. And then Giles does some exposition of... Which is a good reminder for those of us that had to wait two months in between these two episodes um, that Buffy has quit the council, therefore, and he also said Buffy no longer needs a watcher. And he says it without any um, with any without any wistfulness or anything like that. you know, he's not like upset that Buffy doesn't need a watcher. you know he does it's not making him feel like he's not needed which is a huge psychological plot point that we will deal with in the next season he will feel very not needed next season and that will be completely opposite of this moment where he just very matter-of-factly says Buffy doesn't need a watcher he seems fine with it it hasn't it hasn't completely hit him what that means for, for him yet um, which makes sense um, so yeah, my next note, next note was Wesley called Cordelia? <laughs> like, really? Um. Okay. And then I wrote, "Drinking these last moments in the library, kids." Really, honestly, I it hit me while I was watching it this time, just just now, that um, these are the very last scenes. We'll get like three or four scenes in this episode inside the library, but that's it. That is it. Um, very sad. <laughs> um, my next note is Angel is pathetic. So he's still you know dying from this poison. He's still super sweaty and topless and panting and he thinks that everyone's Buffy I guess because he can't really see very well I'm assuming he's delirious Um, he's dying so Angel's still pathetic just in case you needed a reminder Um, my next okay so it kind of bothered me all the plot holes and stuff in this episode should be noted that this episode was written and directed by Mr. Joss Whedon like anytime it's an episode that he is at the helm of there are less women interacting with each other there's some sexist bullshit that usually comes out of Xander's mouth but in this episode it's Buffy that says the sexist bullshit um there's like a lot of pithy one-liners and stuff that's what Joss Whedon is good at honestly he is good at like you know funny dialogue so like I mostly the episodes that I think are really airtight when it comes to plot and character development and feminism are usually written by Marty Knoxon and it'll have some punch up by Joss Whedon in the script so there's like little funny moments here and there um, I just think he shouldn't ever be completely in charge. He's too serious and sexist whenever he's the one that's mostly in charge. Um, anyway, that's, that's just what I'm getting from this particular watch through of Buffy. This is the most analytical I've been watching my favorite show of all time, doing it as a podcast for you guys. So, okay. Okay so this is the point where this is another one. Oh, so Buffy shows up and Oz and Willow have been watching over Angel so she shows up in Angel's house and she like relieves them and they're expecting her to come back with Faith you know because she said she was gonna go get Faith and feed Faith to Angel and everybody's okay with that which is another thing that bothers me they shouldn't be okay with that at the very least Giles should have been like well You know, I know that Faith has gone to the dark side and everything, but do you really want to live with that guilt? Like, even that. I guess, was it Xander that said he didn't want to lose Buffy? Yeah, he was the only one that tried to talk sense into her because she was gathering weapons to go kill Faith in the last episode. (laughs) It seems like it was so long ago, you guys maybe it was even like before some other battle but I think it was that I think she was getting ready to go kill Faith and and Xander was like I don't want to lose you and she's like I'll be fine and he's like that's not what I mean that was really the only time somebody tried to talk any sense into her and I think there at the very least should have been a conversation from Giles of him saying hey are you sure you want to do this I know you love Angel and everything but he's still a very much worse being to be on this earth than a slayer that's just recently gone to the dark side and could maybe still be redeemed you know didn't Buffy say like five episodes ago that she wasn't going to give up on faith wasn't that a thing that came out of her mouth and then right after she said it she immediately gave up on faith (sighs) so anyway she shows up and she's like she relieves Oz and Willow and she's like I want to be alone with him And when she comes back without faith, when they all knew she was going to get her, wouldn't they automatically know that Buffy would be about to offer herself to Angel? Wouldn't they know that? Don't they know her well enough? But they were just like, okay, see you later, bye. (laughs) And then they were shocked later. So, yeah. (laughs) And I also just didn't like how they were all like, where's Faith? Didn't you, uh, kill her ass? Like, of course they didn't say that, but like, didn't you, uh, weren't you going to go get her so she could be food? Like, where is she? God. Okay. So, um, also my next note was Angel immediately thinks of killing Faith. Out of character. So like Buffy's sort of trying to get him to drink her. And he, he says to her whenever she gets there that he was waiting for her, that he's ready to go. You know, he's like, I'm, I'm about to die, but I was going to wait until you got here um, because I wanted to say goodbye or whatever. Now he wants to say goodbye later. He's not going to want to. We'll get there. So, and he's like, I'm ready to go. And, um, Buffy says, drink me. And then he, she tells him that the blood of a slayer is the only thing that's going to save him. And his immediate thought is faith really that's so not like angel angel wouldn't angel's always been when he isn't sold anyway there's not a single person he would take advantage of for his own gain i mean that's like the one really redeemable thing about angel is that he will sacrifice himself for absolutely anybody and he in particular has extra empathy for faith characteristically out of everyone else because he kind of understands her trajectory in life. He would not suggest that. That is out of character. It's almost like Joss just like blew in at the end of the season to like, you know, do some shit and he hasn't been around and he doesn't remember what kind of fucking character Angel is. Like, really? That pisses me off. That's one of the big things that pisses me off in this episode. That's like a plot hole thing. Um, Also, all Buffy had to do because of course he was refusing at first to drink Buffy like thankfully yes he was like trying to get away from her and like using his last ounces of strength to try to run away from her and he's stumbling all over the place and she punches him three times that's all it takes she punches him three times and then he drinks from her and it's like a super eroticized thing like Buffy crushes this metal Thing she, she kicks a table over. She, like, wraps her legs around him. And, like, it's a big thing. Like, she has an orgasm and then is unconscious. So, I mean, that's just, like, real heavy-handed, I think. I mean, I think it makes sense in the context of their relationship. Like, they can't have that. So, this is a heightened moment of intimacy between them because it's it's a pretty big thing. Um, and I get that in the the sense of vampirism like the giving and taking of blood like the whole reason why the vampire myth exists is because blood is the life force so it makes sense that it would be like an otherworldly experience so if it really was that and this whole scene is played out in much more graphic detail than their actual first time having sex was that was just You saw it in a flashback, and it was all, like, peaceful and beautiful and blah, blah, blah. But this was highly sexualized, much more so than um, their actual sex was. So, why was this sharing something like that, almost completely draining your girlfriend, the slayer, of all of her life force in this super sexually charged moment that saves your motherfucking life? How is that not a moment of happiness? Shouldn't he have lost his soul from this? Because it's been pointed out many times by Joss Whedon, especially, that it's not the fact that he had an orgasm with Buffy that led him to losing his soul. It's that it's a moment of complete and total happiness. So, but they've, even though he's said that many times before in interviews and shit, it's still, that's the only thing they avoid doing together is having sex. And this moment really looks like a moment of complete happiness on Angel's part, don't you think? Shouldn't he have lost his soul? Okay, whatever. I'll stop harping on that and move on. But anyway, um, so he like, I don't even, it's not even shown as him like actually on purpose pulling away from her. It's its just almost like all of a sudden he comes to himself and bounces away and then he's like oh what's going on Buffy oh my god ah what happened to you (laughs) he's just the way that David Boreanaz plays it in the scene later in his life he is now a much better actor but at this point he was still learning and he wasn't that great because it's just he could have played this so much better than he did but to his credit he immediately is like oh fuck I took too much of her blood fuck, fuck, fuck. And he, his strength is completely restored. So he picks her up and carries her to the hospital. And, um, when we get to the hospital, we see that the mayor is there. Buffy and Faith are in adjoining rooms. Um, Buffy is unconscious from the blood loss and, um, Faith is in a coma. And we see that, um, the doctor is telling the mayor, there's almost no chance she's ever going to regain, regain consciousness. Um, and you know, she's all beat up and she looks so small. Um, and it's heartbreaking to see Faith in the coma and the mayor's like looking at her and he's, he like brushes his hand across her face or something and you can tell he really cares about her you know you can tell that it's it's not reading as creepy at this moment he cares about her and he feels awful um and he he says it's your day (laughs) and that's just the sweetest little moment like what does his ascension really have to do with her nothing but like he wanted her to be there and he he cared about her so much and the fact that he says, it's your day is, is kind of just so sweet, you know, instead of, cause it's such a weird thing to say. And it's the kind of weird thing that you would say in a moment like that. And I just found that moment actually pretty sweet, despite the fact that I have no father figures of my own to have, like, normally this kind of shit doesn't affect me, you know? <laughs> um, but anyway, that was a sweet little moment. And then right after he says that, he overhears... Um, a nurse comes into the room to talk to the doctor that has just talked to the mayor that's still standing in the room and like says, there's another young woman that's just brought in severe blood loss, blah, 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 blah. And then the doctor's like, I'll be right there. And then, then the shot goes to the mayor who walks through the adjoining room and just like immediately walks up to Buffy and no one's in the room with Buffy at that moment. (laughs) Which is another point of like, okay, if they're... If she's just in the next room and a nurse just came to get the doctor to come help her, what the fuck? Why is he not there? Why did he not go? Because he just said, I'll be right there. And then you don't see him again. <laughs> like, did he not just walk to the next room to help her? I don't know. Whatever. Whatever. Okay. So then the mayor just like, you know, in a moment of like, not even thinking, you know, he loses the shit and he starts suffocating Buffy and a nurse notices first and she just tries to pull him. Sir, what are you doing? And then Angel comes in and like pulls him off of Buffy and, you know, whatever. So he saves the damsel in in distress. Great. Um, Another thing, why did, why did they not call the cops? Because, like, then there's, like, this little altercation where, like, basically orderlies and nurses have to intervene because Angel and the mayor are fighting. Right after he tried, the mayor of Sunnydale, wouldn't they all recognize him, was trying to suffocate one of their patients. Wouldn't they, like, call the police? Wouldn't there be something? But no, of course. There's not time for that. <laughs> There's not time for plot points to make any goddamn sense whatsoever. Whatever. Um, okay. Da, da, da. Oh, an Angel. This is another just like, oh, nail in the coffin of everybody just shitting on Faith. Um, the mayor says something about, like, did you see what she did? my faith blah 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 and angel says hadn't made plans to weep over that really you hadn't like really really angel really really (laughs) that's just so creepy okay and then there's this moment in the hallway so angel goes out into the when everybody else gets there because he has called everyone else um xander willow oz and giles all show up And Angel's like, she's okay. She's, she's, she's going to be fine. She's going to wake up. It wasn't too much blood. And like, they're all like, what's going on? What'd you do, Angel? And Xander gets confrontational. And this is one of an isolated number of moments where Xander gets real confrontational with somebody. And I don't think he's being an asshole. He's just being real because he says something like, oh so the first sign of trouble you drained your girlfriend of her blood sure not going to miss your ass you know kind of thing I'm paraphrasing heavily but um I think he's completely right in this instance so points to Xander on that um oh my next note was: did Joyce actually leave town I mean they don't even mention her so she's not around she probably actually left town when Buffy asked her to um Okay, then we get to the most important part of the episode, which is the dream. So we go into Buffy's dream at this point. She's still unconscious, and her and Faith are sharing a dream. I fully believe that the two of them were having this dream together because they're both Slayers, and Slayers share prophetic dreams. It even goes so far as to... They dream about being the other Slayers. So they sort of have the knowledge of the entire Slayer line is sort of imparted to them with their dreams. And sometimes their prophetic dreams as well. So I fully think that they are in each other's dreams. It's not just, you know, Buffy is dreaming about Faith. They're in each other's dreams right now. Faith says some pretty, like like, real things that are portents for the future of the series, which we will get to here in a second, but just to set the scene, the the dream is in Faith's apartment, and she is packing up her things. Um, the window has been repaired, I think. I don't think it's broken still. Actually, I can't remember. I can't remember if it's broken or not, but Faith is sort of looking out the window of her apartment, and it's right in front of the Sunnydale sign, and she says something like, are they ever going to fix that? Because... Like, the whole sign is messed up, except for the sun. Just S-U-N. So I don't know if that's important or not, but just, you know, symbols. Also, there's, like, a stray cat in the room, which Faith never had a cat, but, um, the cat sort of, like, fades and turns into Faith, so it's obvious that the stray cat is supposed to be Faith. Um, very symbolic, right? (laughs) Um... So, and, and all her shit's just sort of packed up around the room and everything. And at one point, Buffy says, there's something I'm supposed to be doing. And Faith says, oh yeah, miles to go. Little Miss Muffet counting down from 730. It's my head. A lot of new stuff. So Faith in a coma state is apparently, she's been hit with some extra sensory knowledge. Um, so she knows Um, Obviously spoken in riddles. Um, Little Miss Muffet, for some reason, some of my books, I can't remember which one it was. I think it was Why Buffy Matters, uh, mentioned that Little Miss Muffet was later. At at some point, Dawn is referred to as Little Miss Muffet. Um, And then the counting down, which she'll be there in a year, miles to go, Little Miss Muffet. Counting down from 730. 730 is a year times two and if this episode had aired when it was supposed to, to air it would have been almost exactly two years before Buffy um sacrifices herself at the end of season five so um everybody pretty much agrees on that point that 730 is because they already knew that they were going to kill Buffy two years later it's also possible that they didn't know that and that's just a coincidence because there's a lot of things in the Buffy fandom that's like yeah well obviously they were referring to this and blah 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 blah. and Jaws Whedon has like pretty much directly said um actually we didn't know what the fuck we were doing it just happened to work out that way y'all are smarter than we are so um probably true But that's pretty cool and it has been kind of a precedent. It's something we've seen before and we will see again when it comes to dream sequences on Buffy. They're usually very symbolic, very meaningful. Um, It's one instance in which everything is very well thought out. (laughs) Like stuff that happens in day-to-day episodes of Buffy, not that well thought out. Like, as you can see, I pick apart almost every instance of plot in this episode, but the dream sequence is beautiful and perfect. I would really like, I think I've said this before, um, and I haven't ever looked for it because maybe somebody's already done this on YouTube. I'd love to see a supercut of just the dream sequences of Buffy in chronological order. So if you guys know of that, send me the link. I would love to see that. Um, I might even just have to do it myself if it doesn't exist. I don't even know how to edit that kind of shit, but I could figure it out for that and do it because um, I think that would be really cool to watch um, over the course of the whole series. Like, how long would that be? Like, two-ish hours long, maybe? Um, It could be, like, movie-sized um, of just dream sequences of Buffy, I bet you would give, get kind of a decent view of the series that way. I mean, there's a lot of dream sequences of Buffy that are just short little, like, quick cuts of, like, Buffy dreaming about something terrible that's going to happen in that particular episode. It's not super meaningful as, like, a dream sequence like this, but I don't know. I just think that would be really cool. Anyway, um, I forget to actually like look for that stuff later. I just think about it when I'm talking to you guys and then, and then I forget. Okay. So let's see, where are we? Okay. Here's where we get to for some reason. And I've seen the whole series of Buffy. I've seen all the way through probably five, six times in my life. Who knows? Maybe more. And I have never made this connection until this time and it seems so obvious now that like you guys are probably gonna be like uh duh but this is just beautiful so at during the dream Faith okay so Buffy's like who's gonna take care of all this like what are you gonna do with all this stuff you know like Faith is packing up and she's leaving you know she doesn't need all that stuff anymore um in her apartment or whatever and metaphorically and all symbolically and all that. And Faith says, um, not gonna, you know, it's yours. You get to take all this baggage, you know, you fucking put me in this coma. So you get to deal with all of my baggage. And Buffy says, um, but like she, she doesn't know what to do with all of it or something like that. And Faith says, just take what you need. And then she sa- says, you ready?" And she just, like, reaches out to her and touches her. And that's when Buffy wakes up. So I really think that in this moment, Faith is... She's ready to... She's ready to change. Like, she she gives Buffy... She even gives Buffy, like, um, information about what she needs to defeat the mayor. She says, human weakness, everybody has it, even him. Um, so she gives Buffy the tools that she needs in this dream sequence to defeat the person that cares about her the most, the person that she loves the most. She makes that sacrifice for Buffy because she really is ultimately good. She really is ultimately redeemable. And that should have been recognized by Buffy. She should have noticed in this moment that because of everything that happened in this dream, Faith is redeemable. I don't know. Anyway, So she just says, just take what you need. You ready? And she touches her and she wakes up. Faith gave Buffy the strength to wake up. She did it. She resurrected Buffy. Faith saved Buffy. She did. I didn't realize that until this time watching it. Like, it's crazy. Why didn't I ever realize that before? So then when Buffy wakes up, she's... She immediately, like, you know, she didn't know that Faith was there. She got taken to the hospital when she was unconscious. But she knows when she wakes up. She knows exactly where Faith is. She gets up. She walks over to her, which the rooms are, like, there's, like, no doors and no walls in these rooms or something. She just, like, immediately walks over to Faith, which is, like, in an adjoining wall. And this is, like, the sweetest moment of the episode, Basically, you know, she just walks up to Faith and she kisses her on the forehead. It's just like a little thank you kiss. It's like she's acknowledging that Faith gave her exactly what she needed. Just take what you need. Just take what you need. Oh my God. That's so profound and beautiful. Oh oh my God. Faith saves Buffy. Faith is amazing. We love Faith. Okay. Um... Let's see, when she wakes up, she knows, blah, blah, blah. (laughs) My next note is, Buffy seems to have a lot of epiphanies when she's near death. You know, because when she got resurrected at the end of season one, um, when Xander revived her after being drowned by the Master, she was just, like, ready to go. She was a new woman. (laughs) Like, she knows exactly what she needs to do to defeat the Master now. Um, And then, you know, in this little coma dream, she knows she wakes up from that and she's like I'm ready I know exactly what the plan is and then cut to the next scene where they're all in the library and she has just given them what the plan is but we didn't get to hear it and everybody's like oh my god I think you're crazy I don't don't know I don't know how this could work you're nuts like this is crazy um but we don't know what they're talking about um and then uh, Buffy tells Xander that he's the key to the whole thing just because he remembers being, like, a soldier from that time on Halloween when he got turned into a real soldier for five seconds. And then later, all he really does is just bark some orders at people. Like, yeah, a real, he's really the key to this whole thing. Like, okay, whatever. Anyway. And he gets all big-headed, like, I'm the key. I'm key guy. Mm-mm-mm. Like, gross. Wesley comes back in and he's like, I want to help. And Buffy's like, I have no use for the council. And Wesley's like, I'm not here to represent the council. I just want to help. So this is a nice turning point for Wesley. You get to see him, despite the fact that he doesn't really have the skills to be an important part of this fight, he is trying and he is making a first step and it's really cool and Cordelia calls him classy for that and I'll give him that. He's being classy right now. And then this is where Buffy says two sexist things in the course of, like, five minutes, maybe less. She says to Wesley, like, are you going to do something productive besides scream like a woman? Like, really, Buffy? You're a fucking slayer. (laughs) Really? And then um, later, Xander and Angel are bickering, and she says that they're, like, a couple of little old ladies. Like, come on, Buffy off. <sighs> Joss. Joss motherfucking Whedon. Okay. Um, oh, this is my next note. Um, so you don't know what they're doing yet, but in the next few scenes, you see them like clearing out the library. They're like packing up books, which first of all, I want to say, I really love this plot point. I love that they don't because in the past they've been negligent enough that they would do a thing like blow up the library without showing you that they took the books out, and um, and then later Giles just has all of his books magically. But they actually have you know a couple of scenes showing people packing up the books, so. And then whenever you see them below the library, when they lure the mayor, whenever Buffy lures the mayor into the library, um, you see that the shelves are empty. There's this there's one shot when Buffy jumps out of the window that you see books still on a shelf right next to the window. So they missed that little sector, but they cleared out almost the entire library. So one can assume that they packed up all the books and took them to Giles's apartment. And it's very comforting to me that that is put in the show. That his books are okay. All right, his books are okay. The library is no more, but Giles's books are okay. Um, let's see. Oh, my next note was: Wouldn't they be worried about blowing the library right on top of the hell mouth? Like, seriously they lured the mayor to the exact point that is right on top of the hellmouth and then they blew up the entire school with explosives starting with that exact point right where the hellmouth is like wouldn't that be kind of dangerous I mean maybe you need magical spells to open the hell mouth so maybe it really wasn't dangerous I can kind of retcon that one but let's move on okay This pisses me off. Xander, whenever he goes to talk to Harmony about, like, what the plan is, when they're kind of showing, you know, the setup of the plan, which is that everyone in the school is going to know what's about to happen. Like, if you show up to graduation, you better be ready to fight kind of thing. Um, And when Xander goes to talk to Harmony about it, he just yanks her by the arm. Like, that's another thing. I've brought it up before. I will probably bring it up again. In so many different pieces of pop culture, you will see this. I don't think you see it as much anymore, but especially like any, anything from like pre 2005, you see it happen all the time where a guy needs to tell a girl something. So he just yanks her by the arm and drags her like, and it's just nothing. Like they don't even comment on it. It's just what happens. Like he has disdain for for harmony because she's a popular girl and she's vapid or whatever. So it's okay. It's okay because he's a man and she's a woman that he can just grab her by the upper arm and drag her into another room. And it just pisses me off every time I see that shit. Every single time. Um, there's the whole like Cordelia and Wesley finally kiss and it's terrible scene. So thank God that thing's over. Um, Jonathan and Larry loading, um, loading like explosives onto, like, a little red wagon or something from Oz's van. Who knows where they got all that shit, but they did. Um, Angel tells Buffy, this scene is kind of dealt with well, I think. Like, they're packing up weapons and stuff at the library, and Angel tells Buffy, you know, when the fight's over, if we live, I'm just gonna go. I'm not gonna say goodbye. I'm just gonna go. And... Buffy's just, like, over it. She's, like, really, he starts to say, there's just too much to say, blah, blah, blah. And she just, like, puts up her hand, like, shut up, I can't with this right now. I cannot have a super dramatic emotional conversation like we always fucking have. I'm not gonna do it right now. And Angel actually respects it. He immediately stops talking, and he turns around and walks out of the room. And Buffy has a little moment of, like, you know, shut down, you know, having to deal with the fact that her lover is about to leave her forever. And then she just moves on, you know, she takes a moment and she moves on. And I like the way that that was handled. Um, should have been handled like that, like a fucking year ago, but at least it's happening now. Um, she's got, she's got Faith's knife. So she knows what she's going to do, um, to prey on the mayor's weakness um, da, da, da. okay, then we jump to it's graduation day, they're all together. Oh, um, Oz and Willow did it in the van right before graduation, they were late to graduation. Um, Snyder says, You all proved more or less adequate, and I, I find that profound for some reason, <laughs> probably because my particular experience with high school was that. I don't feel like I really learned much of anything. It was just, especially, like, the last year or two of high school, it was just a situation of, like, making sure you showed up at least three or four days out of the week. And I really did only show up three or four days out of the week. I honestly skipped one or two days every week for, like, the last year of high school. And I still passed. (laughs) Like, I don't think... You know, my grade point average was probably like a two or something towards the end, but I still passed and that seemed pretty much right. Like if you graduate high school, it's because you all proved more or less adequate. (laughs) Um, The mayor says some people should, that should be here today aren't. And he sort of exchanges a meaningful glance with Buffy and it's almost it's almost like a moment where like he's being accusatory towards her, but he also recognizes that they both lost faith. You know, whether or not Buffy did that to her, which she did, they still lost faith. So that was a nice little moment, kind of. <laughs> it was just I'm reading more into like that glance than I probably should be, but um then the mayor says some kind of like Interesting things in his little speech. It's about change. Graduation doesn't just mean your circumstances change. It means you do. You ascend to a higher level. So that's kind of nice. Um, I mean, obviously he's referring to his own ascension as well, but it's nice. I don't know. Was just some of the stuff that he said is of course supposed to be about the themes of the episode and it's nice. It's written well. And then my next, this one kind of sucks. Like the adults that are sort of sitting at the back that are, you know, obviously there for their kid's graduation. Like, why didn't any of the kids warn their parents? Like you probably shouldn't come unless you're ready to fight a demon, you know, but they just immediately flee. They don't check on their kids. anything even like the teachers up at the front that were standing behind the mayor while he was making the speech they all flee and the parents all flee they just like get out of there immediately the only adult that sticks around is Snyder and he just like you know starts like yelling at the mayor like this is unacceptable which is dumb like he wouldn't be doing that he would have ran with everyone else (laughs) but whatever Larry dies pretty quickly Wesley gets knocked out pretty quickly, Um, but overall this fight at the end was really kind of heartwarming to me because, you know, it's pretty amazing watching everyone come together and I actually find it sort of believable. With everything that these kids have gone through, even though most of the time they didn't admit the situation that they were in. They were all in it together and now they're graduating and that's a very real thing that whenever you're at the end of an era, whether or not you ever really felt like you were in it with the people you were in it with, you feel that sense of togetherness when you're about to move on from something. You feel that sense of family and interconnectedness at that moment and I think it's believable that kids in that particular situation if this were real that they would come together and actually fight at the last minute even though they've never fought a battle like this before it makes sense to me that they would in this instance and it's because humanity is surprising sometimes like they will actually when shit really needs to get done they will band together and do it you know it's kind of cool and amazing, and that's one thing that Joss's writing gets pretty well. Um, that sort of like hope in a hopeless world thing. He knows how to write that shit pretty well, and I th- and this is a testament to that for sure. We do get to see, unfortunately, Larry dies in the fight, and Harmony gets bitten. You see her getting bitten, um, but. Yeah, I think that's, I mean, you see other people sort of d- get dispatched, but nobody that you recognize. Um, Larry and Harmony are really the only two um, recognizable dispatches of humanity in one way or another. Um, let's see. Cordelia gets to, I, I think, probably not actually her first vampire sleigh. I think she's had one before, but she gets a nice little moment. Um, Buffy gets to call the mayor Dick as he looks like a giant penis because his name is Richard so that's how she got to get away with that and um, when the school is blowing up Jonathan protect hugs Cordelia for some reason I felt the need to note that it was just cute Um, one thing I noticed like once the whole battle was over and they're just sort of wandering around like finding each other and making sure everybody got out okay. Buffy has like a one-on-one conversation with both Xander and Giles. Xander and Giles sort of acknowledge each other um, momentarily too in that scene. And then Buffy has the meaningful, not going to say goodbye, goodbye from like 20 paces away from each other, watching Angel's silhouette walk away into the mist but you don't see her have a one-on-one conversation with, uh, say Cordelia or her best friend of all time, Willow. You don't see her having any one-on-one conversations with Willow at all in like this episode or the last, which I find very strange because, you know, one of the key points of this series is female friendship. You know, we're supposed to see all these instances of female friendship and sometimes we get cool moments of female friendship. You know, the whole thing between Willow and Buffy where Willow has decided to not go away to go to school. That might have even been in the last episode. Who fucking knows? It was so long ago. But, you know, Willow has just had sex for the first time. And Buffy didn't notice anything. You know, she didn't have... They could have had any tiny little conversation where Buffy's just sort of like, you seem really happy. What's going on? They could have had a 30-second private conversation at some point during this episode. They could have just cut some of Angel's pathetic whimpering down a little bit and added that scene. You know, it could have happened, but we get nothing between the two of them. Like, Buffy doesn't notice anything. We never get the oh my god Willow you just did it for the first time girl conversation that we got between Buffy and Willow whenever Buffy did it for the first time you know we got conversations leading up to Buffy deciding to do it for the first time and we got nothing like that um, with Buffy and Willow like we get so much more character development and backstory of every side male character than we get of any side female character like Obviously, we're going to get lots of development of Willow in the coming years, but that's when Joss is no longer at the helm. Marty Noxon is the one that gives Willow all the character development that she deserves. It's not Joss. And this episode really drives it home in the, you know, feminism category, like I've said before. Anyway, Buffy, fire bad, tree pretty. So, do we want the quote of the episode to be fire bad, tree pretty, or tea is soothing, I wish to be tense? Um, Buffy's going to get a similar, probably featured quote in beer bad in the next season, so we'll give it to Giles this time. I'll go ahead and write that in because I had not written that down yet. Tea is soothing, I wish to be tense. So that's the quote of the episode. Um, So, whenever Larry died, I wrote, my note was, bye Larry, sad face. And then whenever Angel walked away, I wrote, bye Angel, happy face. Because, as y'all know, I've said it before, I'll say it again, I love Angel, I really do. In fact, this particular rewatch of Buffy, I've liked Angel more than I've ever liked him before, but I don't like he and Buffy together. And so I am happy to watch him walk away because this is a good time to segue into I am going to be doing little mini reviews of the Angel episodes. I'm going to watch every episode of Angel exactly 20 years after its original air date, which starts... Let's go ahead and look that up because I can do that. I have it right in front of me. Angel season one... First episode of Angel season one is October 5th. Does that coincide the same day with the first episode of season four? It does. So, um, whatever we start talking about season four of Buffy, I will be doing like a small Angel segment. Um, I'm not going to do as much research when it comes to Angel. Like I watch every Buffy episode at least twice and I take extensive notes and blah, blah, blah. With Angel, I'm just going to watch those episodes once, take a little bit of notes talk about it for, like, hopefully 15 minutes or less and just have it as a part of the episodes. So, um, I'm, hopefully I'm not going to get too in-depth on the Angel episodes. There will be some Angel episodes. Anytime there's a crossover, anytime Faith is in one of the Angel episodes, um, I will be, I will probably have separate episodes talking about those, but for the most part, I won't be... Talking about Angel extensively, but this is the last time we have to see him until October 5th. Actually, not true because he's probably in the earshot episode that we talk about in September, but we're not actually done with season three, <laughs> even though this is the last episode. Um, Oz points out when they're all together at the very end, um, everyone but Giles, he says, We survived and Buffy's like, that was a hell of a battle and he's like, no, not the battle high school, let's take a moment (laughs) we're taking a moment and they all sort of look off into the distance for like two full seconds and then they just walk away and that's the end of the episode um, and then it pans to the like little shot of the yearbook that says the future is ours um, oh I just wanted to know when I was doing in research mode um Somebody referred to the mayor as the snake. Mr. Patriarchal Phallus, 1999. (laughs) So I just thought that was funny. I also wanted to share, let's do like the ratings for the episode. And then I'll share with you some stats that I collected from the season. My, um, y'all like to know, I like to pick an object from each episode that I will pluck straight out of the episode and keep for myself for all time. This episode, I decided to pick the library because it is the best set piece in the history of Buffy and we will never see it again. There's some good ones in the future, like I like the magic box set piece. I love Jaws' apartment. I always have loved Jaws' apartment. It's one of the best places ever to be and I love it. But nothing really trumps the library for me. The library is the best. So since this is the last time we will ever see it, my, okay, if I were a rich person, I would probably not want to have like a big house. But I'm pretty sure I would want to have like a little side house or something like the only thing I would spend huge amounts of money on number one I would have a claw-footed tub and I would have a bathroom that's exactly the way that I want it <laughs> so but that wouldn't be hugely expensive because I don't like want a huge bathroom or anything I just want a claw-footed tub and some nice tile on the floor and on the walls that's it that's all I want it doesn't have to be huge maybe double sinks because it would be great if I could have my own sink but anyway what I would spend my, my money on if I had a infinite resources I would create an exact replica of the library of the Sunnydale high school library Um, because I love it I love how there's that little half floor and you could just get lost in the shadows and the stacks up in that little floor and how it overlooks that table and how it has the little office you know I would have my office where Giles' office is and even like the book drop is silly, but I would get, that's what I would do if I had all the money in the world. I would make myself an exact replica of the Sunnydale library. <laughs> um, I've worked in a library for 15 years. It, it doesn't look anything like that. Um, even before we, we have a new building, um, that was just built in the last couple of years, but even before that, Um, Our building that was built in the early 80s didn't look anything like um, that library. But that kind of library is just the... I don't know. It's just... I don't even have that many books. I don't even care that much about having that many books. Maybe what I would do is I would have a library built. Yes, this is what I would do. I would have a library built to the exact specifications of the Sunnydale High School Library. And I would just have it be... A public library so it wouldn't be just for me I might have it so since I'm completely funding it I would get to choose the hours I might have it like closed pretty early in the day and I would have access to it at all times you know that kind of thing maybe I'm the only librarian <gasps> Ooh, that's it I would create my own replica of the Sunnydale high school library and I would be the librarian. and I would be open whenever the fuck I felt like it and I would have my office where Giles' office is and maybe I'd hire a couple of people to work the circulation desk so I didn't have to do it um it would just be a small library obviously that wouldn't be a library that's like a huge public library it would just be like a small research library or something public research library like I wouldn't be like keeping anybody out for any reason Unless they're just assholes. Assholes can stay out. Yep, that's what I would do. That's what I would do. So that's my coveted object of the episode. RIP Sunnydale Library. You guys, let's take a moment. We're taking a moment. Moment's over. Okay. And the quote is, Tea is soothing. I wish to be tense. As I mentioned before, the outfit of the episode Both of the outfits that Buffy wears in this episode, I think, are symbolically significant. At the beginning of the episode, she's still in the red leather pants, I think just a red leather pants, and black shirt or something, that she put on in order to go fight Faith. She put that outfit on specifically to go fight Faith. It was not an accident. Um, And then later in the episode, she keeps that same scheme. Like... I don't know, maybe she's not wearing it at the final battle, but I think she is. I think under her graduation gown is the same outfit that she's wearing throughout most of the rest of the episode, which is black leather pants and a red leather trench coat. So she still keeps the black and red scheme that she had earlier in the episode. And I think all of that is an homage to Faith. You know, she took something from Faith in order to wake up part of it is essence of faith I think and it's part of the reason why she's dressing dark plus it's something they just do in general whenever a character makes a morally questionable decision they will wear darker colors than they were earlier in the episode which I think happened in part one I think Buffy was probably wearing regular Buffy colors earlier in the episode and then she changed into that black and red faith thing when she was intending to kill Faith like she was preemptively wearing that um I just love it I just love it when fashion is symbolic in pop culture it makes me so happy and I also love seeing Buffy in black and red like of course I love seeing Buffy in her signature Buffy blue but um the second best choice for Buffy colors is black and red and I love it she looks great in red leather like yes love it Um, MVP of the episode, y'all aren't going to be surprised, it's Faith. She saved Buffy's life, despite the fact that Buffy tried to end hers. Love you, Faith. Can't wait to see you next season. Love you so much. Okay, okay. One more rant that I didn't go on yet. Okay, so Faith is in a coma. She ends up, like, when we see her next in the middle of the next season, She's like in the fucking basement because, you know, she's, nobody thinks she's ever going to wake up. Like, y'all, I don't know about you, but I, every time I see a woman in a coma in pop culture, I think about Kill Bill. And I think about the fact that, um, you know, women in comas get raped. That's a real thing. And I'm sorry, like, I know that's really dark, but it's a real thing. (laughs) I can't not think about it, you guys. So I would really like to have seen Buffy, since she gives Faith this little kiss on the forehead, she's obviously acknowledging to Faith, and at least privately to herself, that Faith saved her. She feels bad for what she did to Faith. I would like to have seen, even if we didn't get to see her going to visit Faith in the hospital if we could have at least had her mention every once in a while that she goes to visit Faith regularly that she is feels personally responsible for the care that Faith is given while she's in a coma if I could see any indication that she is giving some care to Faith's well-being but she doesn't you know we see her kissing her on the forehead as if we give a shit as if she gives a shit about her you know, we see these little moments where we're supposed to think that Buffy gives a shit about Faith, but Buffy's reaction to Faith when she wakes up from the coma is really hostile and terrible and just not sensitive at all. And she's just forgotten in a basement, like possibly getting more psychologically damaged and physically violated. Like, they obviously don't bring this subject up at all in this series and it's just you know my paranoia and thinking too much about things but I had to say it like I feel like Buffy put her in this coma she should be giving a shit about her care she should they could at least like throw in a little like rant every once in a while of Buffy like being pissed off because the nurses don't check on Faith enough and you know like show her like bringing flowers to the to the hospital or something like we're supposed to love Buffy we're supposed to think that she's a morally superior character and that she's empathetic and we see these moments of her being very empathetic but it doesn't extend very far it definitely doesn't extend to other women yet another reason why this is not a feminist show I hope they redo Buffy someday not like necessarily the character of Buffy but I hope they have like a TV series that is in the Buffy world that is focused on a Slayer or two and they right all of the wrongs that happened in this series like yes it's my favorite show of all time but they could have done they could have done a few things a lot better than they did that's just how it is okay MVP of this episode is Faith 5 by 5 ratings as far as like how enjoyable this episode was hmm. I mean it was fine it was good I'll give it a I'll give it a three like it's not one that I like think about all the time as one of my most favorite episodes like it wouldn't probably even hit a top 30 list but it's fine So it gets a three. As far as the treatment of women score out of five, the only time we see women interacting with each other in this episode, despite the Faith and Buffy dream, which is significant, is within a group. Like, Buffy and Cordelia and Buffy and Willow sort of talk to each other directly while they're in the group. Whereas we see... Giles and Xander directly interact we see Buffy and Angel directly interact we see um, Willow and Angel directly interact you know we see all these combinations of male female male male but the only one on one female female is the dream between Buffy and Faith the women are really not focused on it at all in this episode we kind of focus on Faith for a second and then we focus on Buffy the normal amount but that's really it I mean I guess Cordelia gets a moment but that's with Wesley so treatment of women's episode not great it really isn't and then there's those two stupid sexist comments from Buffy's character and yeah so I'm gonna give it a two I mean it could be worse for sure Xander grabs Harmony by the arm Like, why didn't Willow go talk to Harmony? At least that could have been another female-female interaction. But Willow went to talk to Percy um, while Xander was going to talk to Harmony. So, whatever. So this episode gets a six, because three times two is six. I can math. And then I wanted to briefly point out some stats. Even though we still have Earshot to watch, I can already tell you right now the MVP of Earshot is going to be Buffy. Buffy. Um so some stats. I went and went through all the episodes and counted who got MP- MVP of each episode. I think I may have missed one, like one of them is just not in my notes, but whatever, this is almost accurate. So, MVP the winner for season 3 is Giles. He got 7 MVP nominations. Next is Cordelia with 5. Next tied we have Buffy and Faith both got MVP four different times Um, and next is tied Oz and Willow got MVP two different times and then um, the triad of Joyce, Ethan, and Angel each got MVP once during the course and this doesn't add up because some of the episodes uh, I gave it as a tie so I just counted one per each whenever there was a tie so um winner of mvp for season three is giles i don't think i have done this with any other season so i might have to go back and do that um but i think that's a fun stat to take um and then i'm gonna do like an average rating but i'm gonna wait until i know what my rating for earshot is before i do that um but yeah so that's it for graduation day part two thanks for listening guys um super excited to watch season four with you guys. I'm excited to start the Angel series even because that series I've never really connected with that much so it's going to be fun to engage with it in this way because either it will make me appreciate it more or it will tell me definitively that that show's really just not for me we'll see. I know there's going to be a lot more moments in the Angel series that are going to piss me off than in the Buffy series because Joss Whedon has a lot more to do with the Angel series because let's be real he cares more about men than he does women (laughs) even though his whole career is based on the fact that he you know acts like he's a feminist whatever and created Buffy which is this great character that we all love of course he gets props for that but (laughs) anyway I hope you guys have a great rest of your July I will likely come back at some point if not in this month I will at least come talk to you once or twice in August um again let me know if you want me to review movies of the year from 1999 um or if you want me to talk about other things like what do you guys want to talk about even if we just do like some listener mail episodes where you let me know different topics of Buffy that you want to riff on I mean this is not a spoiler free podcast so we can talk about anything that hasn't happened yet or anything that's already happened or it doesn't matter we can talk about Buffy books and comics and um fan fiction let me know your favorite fan fiction I would love to read some of that Um, I've just never really dived totally into that but um dove dived i don't know anyway i hope you guys are having a great summer um i will see you next time bye